1: Center, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim!
2: What is up, Thunder fans? Welcome to another post-game podcast. I'm your host tonight, Justin. Thanks for checking us out. If you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, it doesn't matter, we're there. Uh, go hit that subscribe button, leave us a nice review, leave us a 5-star rating, we would greatly appreciate it. We are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, lots of great pods for your NFL and NBA and more needs, uh, so be sure to check out all the pods on Blue Wire, you can find them online Blue Wire Pods. Uh, welcome, Thunderbeat Brooklyn, 111-103. Uh, Justin here to take you through it this evening. An overtime thriller as Oklahoma City closes out their road trip uh, with a 3-1 record. It was a wild game. Uh, An exciting game. If you missed it, you honestly missed out. Uh, The Thunders kind of exciting comeback wins. Clutch time finish. Uh, (laughs) They seem to be so good at this season. Definitely continued tonight. I actually have a stat here from ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, Oklahoma City trailed after the third quarter tonight. They trailed by three. And ESPN said, Oklahoma City is 11-13 and 13 in games where they trail entering the fourth quarter. No other team in the NBA has won more than six such games. Oklahoma City's won 11. That's unbelievable. Um, I think that speaks to a lot of things. Uh, the kind of exciting... Comeback wins, like I talked about, but there's a a person kind of at the center of that that I think deserves more credit than anybody else. Uh, His name is Christopher Emmanuel Paul, and tonight was no exception. Chris Paul tonight, eight points in the first three quarters, Uh, not the most exciting showing from him, Uh, eight points on two of seven shooting, four rebounds, three assists, Uh, nothing to write home about. But then... Came clutch time, and Clutch Paul came out to play, and as he's done so many times this season, uh, just really came in and took over, honestly. He finishes with 28 points, so he scored 20 points in the fourth quarter by itself, Finishes with 28 on 4 of 8 from 3, 9 of 15 shooting overall, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, just an unbelievable takeover. It seems like he is shooting 100% from mid-range, in the fourth quarter, I know that's not true, but it was darn close. He was seven of eight from the floor in the fourth quarter in overtime tonight. Just absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what he's doing on the bench in the first three quarters. Uh, actually, um, somebody tonight, I, the, the game has wiped my mem- memory, but somebody said uh, it kind of feels like Chris Paul, you know, spends the first three quarters sitting on the bench and just kind of analyzing and taking it all in, taking stock of what's happening in the game and finding weaknesses in the opponents. And then he comes out in the fourth quarter and just destroys them, uses that high basketball IQ and just absolutely piles it on in the fourth quarter. And it that, that's very much what it felt like tonight. <laughs> he was unreal. And it's gotten to the point where for a season in which thunder fans in general and i myself speaking personally you know have no expectations uh just kind of enjoying what it is it's gotten to the point where i have an expectation from chris paul now in the fourth quarter uh and that's i expect him to not miss any shots and to come in and take over when he checks in in the fourth quarter it's it's honestly unbelievable the three point guard lineup Many people weren't sure how that would work coming into the season. CP3, Schroeder, SGA, all on the floor at the same time has really been fantastic. But you, you'd you be remiss to not give CP3 a large amount of that credit, especially in clutch time situations. We had a great Twitter question about Chris Paul tonight from at Aiden Leister. The question is, come playoff time, could Chris Paul potentially turn up his performance to the point where he does what he does in the fourth all game? Might sound a bit dumb, but he obviously plays different in the fourth. Would it help if he did that all game? Well, to answer the last part, yes. Yes, it would help if he could do that all game. Uh, however, I think if he could do that all game, he probably would. Uh, he's he's old. He's getting up there, 34 years old. Uh, he's not the young man he used to be. I don't think it's sustainable. For him to do that all game long. I also don't think it's smart. And I think that's one of the things that really helped the Thunder tonight. Uh, Kind of skipping around Chris Paul's contributions here. I want to give a shout out to Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan's rotations on a night where the Thunder were playing the second game of a back-to-back. It's their third game in four nights. They're playing against the Nets who are in an exact same situation. In a game that went to overtime, Oklahoma City managed to look like the fresher team. And a lot of that has to do with Billy's rotations. Going down the stretch, Billy was rotating guys in and out every couple of minutes, really keeping guys fresh. And I think the importance of Chris Paul at this stage in his career is to keep him fresh uh, as much as you can. Playing 38 minutes tonight, that includes overtime, but still 38 minutes uh, is, is a lot. And so I think the way that Billy can space that out and get him, you know, a good chunk of rest before he comes in the fourth quarter and really allows him to take over, I think is crucial. Um you had a lot of guys playing tonight. Uh 10 different Thunder players got minutes, all 10 scored, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh for for a while. Spencer Dinwiddie was the only player on the floor uh, that for either team that did not score in the first half. You had uh 19 different or 20 players, pardon me, 20 players played in the first half. 19 of them scored. Dinwiddie didn't. He obviously turned it on in the second. Uh, But I've gone down a rabbit hole. Your question is, could Chris Paul play like he does in the fourth all game? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, If he could, it'd be amazing. I'd love to see it in the playoffs. I'm afraid it would blow out a hamstring, however. The other thing that I think is interesting with your question is, even if he could, with this team... I don't know that he would. I think, honestly, a large part of his deference in the first three quarters is just out of the fact that this team is trying to get experience for SGA in particular. Uh, Chris Paul doesn't seem to have any problem deferring to Shea, and not just in the first three quarters either. There was a moment with under a minute to go in overtime. CP3's taken over, like I said, 7 of 8, 20 points, just killing it. Oklahoma City could really use a bucket to seal the game and kind of put things away, get them a comfortable lead. And Shea looks to CP3 to pass. CP3 waved him off and told him to go. And so what happens? Shea easily gets past his man, Torian Prince, uh, gets into the lane and draws a reach-in foul on Joe Harris, sending him to the line for free throws, which he hit. Oklahoma City gets a nice cushion. They go on to win the game. That moment right there is... So fascinating to me, especially coming from a guy like Chris Paul. He's been criticized in the past for always wanting the ball in his hands, uh, especially late in games, being a bit of a, you know, needing the ball in his hands to make something happen, being a bit of a ball hog. Um, (laughs) Like we saw tonight, I don't think that's the case on this team. I don't know if it's, you know, his lack of expectations. He doesn't feel the, the pressure to win every game. So maybe he's more willing to give that up. Maybe he's just maturing. I don't know what it is. Maybe he has tons of faith in SGA, uh, which wouldn't necessarily be misguided, but whatever it is, I think CP3 is kind of showing a different facet of his game than what oftentimes gets talked about. Uh, He's deferring to Shea. He's really mentoring Shea. And I think that experience for Shea moving forward is going to be huge. Uh, Speaking of Shea, He finishes tonight with 22 points, four rebounds, two assists. Uh, Very, very solid game from Shea after a a pretty so-so game against the Sixers yesterday. Uh, Not one of his best performances. I thought it was great to see him rebound tonight. He was being aggressive. He was getting into the paint. He had a lefty finger roll that made my heart flutter. Uh, Just really looking like the Shea Gilgis Alexander that We've seen at so many points this season. I also think it's interesting. It feels like he's starting to get more of the continuation calls from the refs. He had one tonight where he got fouled, I mean, near the free throw line and was able to continue in and get essentially a layup. And they counted it as an and one. Uh, I don't feel like those calls were coming as much early in the season. I don't know if it's Shea has earned the respect of the whistle or if Shay's just kind of learned how to time his movements to better finish on those continuation calls to ensure that he gets the shot up in enough time for it to be counted. I don't know what it is, but it's a nice improvement. And I think it's really kind of boosted his efficiency and his ability to get to the line because he's not, um, you know, drawing fouls um, and missing shots. He's, he's able to convert those into and ones, which is a, a really nice, development in his game. The third guy I really kind of want to highlight from a a numbers perspective is Steven Adams. Uh, Adams had a absolutely monster game against the 76ers. Um, Probably probably the best player on the floor for the Thunder. Uh, Going up against Joel Embiid, he just absolutely destroyed. If you haven't listened to Taylor's post-game pod from yesterday, I recommend you do that. You can get a lot more in-depth coverage there. But as for tonight, Steven Adams, 10 points, 18 rebounds. That's just fabulous. I think this is, the, these are the kind of numbers from Steve that we wanted to see coming into the season. We thought were possible given the the changeover in roster, particularly with Russell Westbrook coming off. There'd be less moments where Steven is conceding rebounds to Russell Westbrook. Uh, it hasn't happened uh, super consistently, but I think especially over the last few weeks or so, Steven is really kind of showing uh, showing us some of where his ceiling lies. And I think tonight is a great example of that. Those 18 boards were humongous on a night where you didn't have Nerland's Noel. Uh, Noel being out these last two games has really given Steven an opportunity to flourish and kind of anchor that facet of the game for the Thunder. The Thunder did get out-rebounded by one. Uh, but they kept it close against uh, a Nets team who has DeAndre Jordan, uh, Jared Allen, number of good rebounders. Uh, Steven held his own and really was able to kind of keep that balanced for the Thunder. On the flip side of that, the, the points in the paint were not ideal. Uh, the Nets absolutely feasted in the paint, 56 points in the paint compared to 36 for the Thunder a lot of that came at what felt like in the third quarter. There was a sequence in mid-third quarter um, where it, it felt like a pickup game. You had Darius Baisley blocking Spencer Dinwiddie's layup. Then you came down to the other end, and Ferguson went up for a massive dunk but got swatted by Jared Allen. Uh, a couple plays later, Dinwiddie goes in and scores. Jared Allen gets a massive dunk. Baisley hits a three-pointer. Torian Prince hits a three-pointer. It just went back and forth and back and forth. And whether it was a a dunk or an open three, it just felt like the two teams kind of couldn't stop each other for a little bit. And it, it like I, I mentioned, it felt like a pickup game a little bit. But I think the the ease of scoring in the paint was definitely a spot where you felt Noel's absence Um we got a, another Twitter question here from at Batlin rise who asked Nerlens being out clearly has impacted how OKC has played the past couple games between Houston and LA, which team do you think OKC is more likely to win against? And I'm interested in if your answer would change if Noel were healthy. It's a great question. Um, I think as far as between those two games, I like OKC's chances, chances against Houston. Um, I think that, Houston's been a little more inconsistent lately. Harden obviously carries a massive portion of that load. uh, But I think that with Nerland's out, that one becomes a little easier because Anthony Davis is a monster and you kind of need all hands on deck. So for the second part of your question, yes, I think that answer changes a little bit depending on if Noel's healthy or not. Uh, I don't know if that makes LA the more winnable game, but it definitely would help. So I want to steal a note from uh, what a couple of the other guys have gone. I know I think Kamiar kind of started it. uh, Do a little stock up, stock down for you guys. Uh, So stock up. Let's talk about Terrence Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson has played pretty phenomenal defense most of the season. uh, And tonight was no exception. He was all over the Nets wings. Particularly late in the game, I I saw him just really sticking like glue to Joe Harris. There was a possession late where he was all over Harris, and Harris stepped out of bounds. Uh, the ball went the other way, and you could tell he was clearly frustrated. He slammed the ball on the ground, and that was really because Ferguson was hounding him. If, if Ferguson hadn't been all up in his space like that, Harris probably doesn't step out. Billy D mentioned uh, his defense post game uh, really kind of gave him some specific praise on the way that he's locked down guys for the Thunder. Um, but we know about that. The defense is not a surprise. What was great to see out of Terrence tonight was offensive aggressiveness. Uh, he is a streaky player, he's a confidence player, I think is maybe a better way to put it. If Terrence Ferguson has confidence, he can be a great offensive player. I think he goes through stretches where he doesn't have that, and he kind of disappears on offense. He just doesn't take shots that are there for him. Uh, he'll kind of dribble into the lane and then kick it back out. But when he dribbles in, you know he's not really, you know, formulating a plan to attack the basket. He's just kind of moving around, going through the motions. Uh, not unlike myself in YMCA basketball as a as a youngling but tonight seven points three of seven shooting one of four from three numbers don't blow you out of the water but it's not about the numbers with him it was the types of shots he took he took multiple three-pointers where you could tell he just let it fly there was no hesitation it was a quick shot it was a good shot and those are the type of shots that I like to see from Ferguson his drives seemed more purposeful Uh, I think overall just got the sense tonight that he's gaining a little bit of that offensive confidence back. Some of that aggressiveness people have questioned it. Uh, his aggressiveness, his his confidence in his game uh, famously last year, you know, he had the rough start to the season and, and a late night with Russell Westbrook in the practice facility really turned things around for him. And, and some have asked the question, like where's that going to come from this year without Russell Westbrook and the post-game interview on NBA TV I think, offered a great insight as far as an answer to that question. Uh, Let's listen to that real quick. That's huge, man. And like I said, Terrence Ferguson, uh, if y'all ever see us arguing, it's because he didn't shoot the ball. He gives himself up every night to defend and play hard for this team, never complains about shots. And uh, he's an unbelievable player and great teammate. Keep it up. Appreciate it, 3D. I think that quote does a great job of, again, further illustrating the role that CP3 has embraced on this team. You can hear it when he talks about Ferg. Uh, He wants him to take that shot. He knows how important that confidence is to Ferg's offensive success. He understands what that means. I think he also understands the importance of him kind of shining that spotlight on a guy like Ferg on a national televised game, uh, which the Thunder... Don't have very many of. You can debate whether NBA TV counts as national TV or not. But on a big stage, CP3 giving specific praise to Terrence Ferguson, talking about his selflessness, how he always gives it all on defense, and and pushing him to be more aggressive on offense, I think that goes a long way with a guy like Ferg. Another great Twitter question on this subject, at Black Dolphin 5 ask... Why is Ferguson so aggressive in the last couple games? Why does he have so much more confidence? I think that CP3 clip might be part of your answer. I think CP3 is doing a lot of work with some of these younger guys on the roster. We've heard about how he's taken SGA and Baisley under his wing. But I bet I bet Ferguson's a big part of that as well. I bet he's kind of mentoring him. Uh, encouraging him to be more aggressive. I also think that when Ferguson starts to see success, the confidence builds. When he doesn't see success, the confidence goes back down. That kind of leads to some of his streakiness. So I think as he's kind of seeing some of the fruits of his aggressiveness, it's going to continue to lead to more confidence. Stock down tonight, uh, our poor fella, Mike Muscala. He had a rough go. Muscala has been getting more minutes with Noel being out with the ankle sprain. Uh, and they've not been great. Uh, he started, kind of got baptized into the game tonight by Jared Allen. Another great Twitter question from JLo2386. Do you think Muscala might be suffering from PTSD after that dunk by Allen? Um, yes, I do. Uh, Wob put him in the graveyard. Uh, it, <laughs> it was rough. Uh, got absolutely destroyed by Jared Allen. Uh, and that was at the beginning of the game. And from there on, it didn't get much better. Uh, his defense was suspect. He gave up a lot of points. There was a stretch with both him and Burton on the floor late in the game where the Nets really kind of uh, ballooned their lead a little bit. And it looked like the game might be getting away from Oklahoma City before the uh, three-headed point guard lineup came back in and, and CP3 took over. But uh, Muscala's defense was not ideal. And unfortunately, his offense was not great either. Six points, two of eight shooting, 0 of five from three. His three-point shot has just looked absolutely broken lately we've seen a couple small flashes of his three-point shooting ability but man it's just it's it's reaching like p levels from last year of bad um and it it's tough to see he's not adding a lot of value when he's out there on the court and it's 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 not helping the thunder obviously a lot of that's solved by if and when Nerlens Noel comes back but in the meantime uh, the less musky minutes the better. Moment of the game tonight. Uh, there was a lot you could choose from. Uh, the sequence I mentioned earlier where it kind of went back and forth and it felt like they were trading blows in a pickup game. Uh, there was a moment where Stephen Adams, I think the Thunder were down by five, and Adams uh, dove on the floor for a loose ball, uh, got a big turnover, and, and Oklahoma City was able to kind of start their comeback push. Uh, but none probably bigger than with 11 seconds left in the game, Schroeder fouls before the ball is inbounded, which sends Spencer Dinwiddie to the line for a technical free throw with a chance to put the Nets up one with 11.3 seconds left. And Dinwiddie misses the free throw. Uh, Brooklyn then can't score. Game goes to overtime, and we know what happens after that. Uh, That free throw, missing that technical, was massive. Uh, There was a tweet about an angry Nets fan screaming at Dinwiddie. They paid you $36 million to be able to make that shot. Uh, <laughs> kind of true, but uh, it, was, it was a rough moment for Brooklyn and really kind of the moment that changed the tide in the game. The Nets, by all means, should have won that game. Uh, allowing it to go to overtime left the door open, and Oklahoma City took full advantage, really kind of dominating overtime. Oklahoma City is now 4-0 in overtime. Uh, the last two overtime victories, hat tip to Joe Masato of the Oklahoman here, uh, have both come on the second night of a back-to-back, which is pretty impressive. The last one was at Charlotte. Uh, so to be able to pull out overtime wins when you're playing on the second leg of a back-to-back uh, is, is pretty impressive. Another Twitter question here from at Zaoific, who asks, how long before Lou, master of Dortstruction, comes back? Also, we're 4-4 four and four in OT. What would you contribute that to? I think a lot of it has to be contributed to uh, Clutch Paul. He's been unreal late in games. Uh, I think that is that is probably the biggest factor for the Thunder is just Chris Paul's ability to create good shots, get what he wants, uh, literally seems like he can't miss from mid-range late in games. I think that's a massive part of the way the Thunder have been able to get overtime victories. As for the Lou Dort question... Uh, It's interesting. He's on a two-way contract, so you can't spend uh, too much time uh, with the Thunder. Uh, They they limit those number of days. However, there was a recent um, kind of string of tweets. I'm blanking right now. This is bad podcasting, but somebody smart out there uh, tweeted about how they wouldn't be surprised to see Oklahoma City wave somebody like maybe Justin Patton and then convert Lou Dort's contract to a full-time contract, which would save the Thunder quite a bit of money in salary and allow them to sign another two-way player. So I think there is a possibility that you might see Lou Dort get upgraded to the full roster. Uh, the specifics of that move are above my pay grade, but it it's an interesting thought uh, would get Oklahoma City under the tax as well. But regardless, I think everybody is... Pretty psyched on what we've seen from Lou Dort thus far this season. Uh, not bad for an undrafted rookie. Uh, so much so that we have crafted our own nickname for him, uh, Lutane Clan. And, you know, we just might have uh, some nice merchandise that you can go purchase for old Lou Dort. Uh, if you want to be a part of the Lutane Clan, go to designtree.com. d s g n tree.com. Uh, look up our shirts there. They're under the Blue Wire branch. You can find the Lutang Clan shirts. It's available in like six different colors. There's a killer looking black one. Uh, T-shirts and hoodies available. Uh, Get your Lutang Clan shirt. And be ready for whenever Lou gets recalled to the Thunder. That does it for tonight's game. Uh, A massive win. uh, uh, Basically stealing a game out of Brooklyn. Uh, A game they did not really deserve to win. But they, they... Stole it out of the clutches of the Nets. And and honestly, they they did. They kind of earned it. Next up, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of a, an insignificant game on the schedule. Uh, Thursday, uh, one of the only true national TV games. Uh, one of three on the season for Oklahoma City. The Houston Rockets come to town. Russell Westbrook returns to Oklahoma City playing for the first time as the member of another organization. It's going to be a weird Night. I'm not sure I'm prepared for it. It's going to be very strange. Uh, The first time Brody plays in Oklahoma City, not in a Thunder uniform. Uh, I'm interested to see what the Thunder does. I'm sure there'll be a nice tribute video. The fans are going to go absolutely berserk. I mean, if you can give Paul George a standing ovation uh, after he, you know, talked his way out of a contract, then I can only imagine what the Brody is going to get. And then on top of that, you have Oklahoma City debuting their new city edition uniforms, which honor the Oklahoma City National Memorial created in partnership with them to honor the victims of the Murrah Building bombing. There's going to be all kinds of emotions uh, from all different facets. It's fantastic that the, the city uniform unveiling gets to happen on a national stage. There's a great article in the Oklahoman from Joe Masato, or pardon me, from uh, Jenny Carlson, today talking about kind of the impact of those uniforms and how it's affected some of the families of that tragedy and how they're excited to see that story, get a national spotlight for those who may not be familiar with it. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be a heck of a night. Then, like I alluded to earlier, uh, they close out the week with the Lakers. Um, Always uh, an exciting contest when LeBron comes to town, LeBron and AD and uh, everybody's new favorite goat, Alex Caruso, coming to town uh it's it's a tough stretch for the thunder getting the win against the nets tonight was big because it was probably uh their easiest game this week uh there's a a high likelihood they go one and three but i think they have an opportunity with the way they've been playing to steal one of these next two and i think if they can steal one of these next two that is uh i'd count that as a win i'd count a two and two week as a win for the thunder Thanks so much for checking out the podcast tonight. If you're new, welcome. Uh, Come back for more. We release a group podcast every Monday morning, as well as a shorter post-game podcast after every game, such as this one. As I mentioned before, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. That kind of stuff really helps us out and helps us uh, to continue to make cool stuff for y'all. Follow us on the social medias, at the underscore uncontested on Twitter and Instagram uncontested podcast on Facebook. Taylor's over on Reddit being all kinds of active for us. Uh, I'm too old to understand Reddit, but I look at it sometimes and try to follow along. That'll do it for tonight. Uh, Thanks so much. I'm Justin. You can follow me on Twitter at OKC tracker, Uh, especially if you're into uniform stuff. Uh, I'm your man for that. Thanks again for checking us out. Thanks for listening. And as always, Thunder Up.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.